How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I'll be honest with you, I'm feeling a little cranky this morning. Uh, I have uh, several bones I want to pick, and at some point during the course of the hour, I want to talk about the, the, the coverage of Little League Baseball. I also want to talk about that new commercial that's airing on ESPN about having that 10-year-old kid announce his retirement from sports. I have some, some concerns about that as well. And I want to talk about high school football. That's the first uh, item on the agenda this morning. In fact, I want to do a little field research on where we are with the future of youth and tackle football uh, in this country. And specifically, let me ask you this. Do you get the sense that even with all the new rules and regulations that are now being implemented to try to prevent concussions, that football is going to survive? I mean, I'm concerned. I mean, look, I played a lot of football as a kid in high school and played some in college, and of course it's a great sport, but there are real warning signs. Now, perhaps we should break this down into the various regions of the country. That is, we know, of course, that in football hotbeds like, like Texas and Florida— the numbers in high school and youth football continue to be very strong. But what around here, in Connecticut, in New York State, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, I get the very distinct sense that kids are not being drawn to football in the big numbers as they used to be. The numbers are down, regardless of the concerns about concussions. That is, yeah, we know concussions the last few years have led parents to, the, to discourage their kids from playing football, but I think it's going beyond that now. The fact the sport is just beginning to begin to drop in terms of popularity for kids in high school. Now, the question is, we know the high school football numbers have declined in general all over the country, but are they going to bounce back? And the reason I ask is because we've seen these laws pop up now. Again, they're all with good intentions to prevent concussions. For example, in California, a new law was just passed uh, this, uh, this month that limits full contact practices and tackle football at the youth level to just 30 minutes twice a week. And that as part of that law in California, a medical professional must be present at all the games and all of the practices. And in high school football all over the country, more and more states are becoming even more restrictive about full contact practices. In fact, as many of you know, in New Jersey... A new law was just passed this year that f- limits full contact during the football season to only 15 minutes per week. And we'll repeat that. If you're playing high school football in New Jersey this year, once the season begins, you're only allowed 15 minutes of full contact during the course of the week. And during preseason, the total number allowed of full contact is only six hours. Now, look. 
I understand this is all being done to protect our children. But in the bigger picture, will these kinds of restrictions lead to the traditional game of football becoming extinct? And I want to get your thoughts about this. Coaches and parents and players, call me, 1-877-337-6666. I think this is really kind of alarming. And I don't know if there's any way uh, out of this sort of difficult situation but is just restricting the number of uh, hours of full contact, is that is that going to be the, the salvation for youth and, and high school football to make sure this game stays at its popular level as it is now? We all know, of course, how popular the NFL is at the professional and collegiate level. I'm talking about the, the youth level and the high school level. These are very, very restrictive situations. And another question for you. I mean, if you're only allowed to practice or have full contact 15 minutes a week total during the season— Who's patrolling this? Who's watching all this? Who's making sure that it's not more than 15 minutes? Is that done by the coach himself, the athletic director? Are there people from the state of New Jersey going around checking on practices? How does this work? I don't understand. I understand the intent. I get all that. The question is, where do we go from this? I mean, I just remember we know that the number of kids playing tackle football all over the country is down, at least 7% in New Jersey alone. And, and obviously states uh, and their football associations are scrambling to, to cut back on, on full, full contact practices. We know that. I, I just don't know, you know, what this all means and where we go from here. And again, I, I, know, I understand, of course, about the long-term health concerns with concussions, but are these measures going to be enough? And as I said, is football, as we know it, at the high school level, is it going to survive? Uh, I, I also know that a lot of athletic directors I've spoken with over the years, they are concerned about the rising uh, insurance premiums for, for tackle football because obviously with the concussions not being totally tied to, to contact, I mean, it's become prohibitive for high schools to have tackle football. A lot of concerns about this stuff, particularly in light of all these new rules and regulations going to the place. one 337 6666. Let's start our conversation this morning with uh, up for, uh, Harry from Cape Cod. Ca- uh, Harry, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you? Yes, I I'm- think the rules are good. The problem, the, the, our advancement, our human advancement, we've just gotten so much stronger, so m- more physically fit that you, 15 minutes uh, <clears throat> a day, is it 15 minutes or, or a Two fifteen-minute practices a week. Yep. There's so, there's so much other agility things that you can teach the players that doesn't require the physical exertion on each other. That's the the idea of football. When I played football, the idea of football was who could outlast who, and who could effectively, pretty much, kill the other person. And we're going to do it hours and hours, and repetitively do it all the time. Right now. The game is the game is a game of technique and skill. Let's not have it. The, the, the game thirty, forty years ago was a game of are oh, they ran the ball, push it ahead. Our five are better than your six, or like that. Now the game's opened up. We pass the ball more. The players are faster. The fields are better. Every everything about the game is better. So. Why would you want to have so much physical contact? I think half an hour a week, 
if 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 you do it right and you know how well, to coach, that, Harry, I was just going to say the question is if you do it right. And my question would be this, and I agree with everything you just said about the game being, you know, uh, the, the kids are bigger, stronger, faster, better conditions, all these things. But it is still at the end of the game, end of the day, it's about blocking and tackling. And the reason we were so concerned about preventing concussions is we were worried that kids don't know how to tackle properly about, you know, making sure that they, 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 they shouldn't leave with their head but with their shoulder. And my question, Harry, would be that how do you, if you don't have full contact being taught, how do you get the kids to understand how to do it right? You can put them in the classroom. You can work with tackling dummies. I get all that. But the difference is, and this is the example, the parallel I would use, is that you can take as much batting practice you want and look good in batting practice, but until you see live pitching, it doesn't mean anything. So how, how do you make that transition from, from practice and, 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 and being t- kids being taught the right way until you actually do it in a real, in a real full, full-on scrimmage? You, well, you, the, 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 you didn't say anything about scrimmage time. Scrimmage time against opponents. Well, but I'm saying I use scrimmage meaning, meaning that it's full-on, full contact. The, the, the idea is to teach, teach the technique. Yeah, I know. Take but... advantage <laughs> But you can teach the technique without having the kid bang, you know, show them where the shoulder goes, show them where the head goes. And then when you play that 15 minutes, you know, maybe now you have more technology. Maybe you film that or whatever. But you, it really, you, those kids are so young. You, that, that, you can't just open them up to this crazy contact you know, um, Harry, I, all the time. I, I, hear you I, I mean, maybe maybe 15 minutes is too stringent. Well, I think, maybe that, that I think that's, that's my concern. <clears throat> Harry, let me take some other calls, but I hear you loud and clear. Thank you this morning. Thank you. You bet. Uh, you know, uh, I'm concerned that 15 minutes is too restrictive because, as, as Harry and I both agree upon, yeah, you want to teach the kids, and there's a lot of tutelage that goes on. Uh, get your body low, get your head, you know, bowled back against uh, your neck and so on and so forth. But until you actually experience the process of tackling a, a fullback that's coming through the hole, uh, if you're a linebacker or you're a, a defensive back, you got to do it. 15 minutes is a short period of time to learn how to do it the right way. And I know there's going to be errors and mistakes, but when you get to the game, you know, on, on Saturday or, or Friday night, the game, you have to do it in the game. If you're not well coached or have any experience in doing this, it's going to be tough for you. Let, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Phil up in Westchester County. Hey, Phil, you're on the fan. Hey, hey, good morning. How are you? Good, Phil. You know, I agree with you 100%. I understand all of the concerns that parents have, that uh, the public has about football. If you don't want your kid to have any contact, don't play football. And I think you're correct in saying that if we don't get these kids uh, to actually play in contact in, in scrimmage games and in practice to understand what it feels like to get hit or to show someone that they're tackling improperly or they're cutting improperly, there are other things besides concussions that kids can uh, uh, be injured with. They of can course. injure their ankles, twisting. They sure. can spinal cord injuries for even even. You know, you spearhead somebody, you get a kid, he's not getting up. And without the practical, uh, you know, ability to do that, it's impossible to show someone how to how to, how to do it correctly. Uh, you know, and I'm not a huge uh, fan of, of, of 
because of the injuries. But I think you need to teach these kids that they've got to practice. Phil, I, I again, I don't know what the the right answer is or how much time should be allocated. I do sense, and I feel, I gather you feel the same way. And by the way, you're right. I mean, for many years, the reason why, even before concussions became a concern, for many, many years, parents, uh, you know, from my generation, parents were concerned about their kids uh, suffering serious knee injuries because back in the day, in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, the, the uh, techniques to repair knees were sort of, you know, prehistoric compared to the art today when you, when you get a, an ACL or something like that. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong in football. We know that. That's part of the major concern. But now with knee injuries, concussions, but yet how do you got to go through live practices so kids can learn the right ways to, to do this? Phil, thank you for the call this morning. You know, I, I just have a sense that these are sort of like stopgap or, or Band-Aid approaches uh, to cut back on, on this uh, contact I don't, I'm not saying that's necessarily right or wrong. I'm just concerned that uh, you can work on skills and drills all you want in football uh, with, with no, no full contact, but I'm not sure that's the right answer either. All right, let, let me take a time out. I want to continue with this conversation about, you know, again, these new rules are being put in place about being very restrictive on the amount of uh, full contact with tackle football in high school and in youth-level football. And, of course, we'll take your calls at one 337 Dave Uram is here this morning. He has your update. When I return, I'll go right back to the calls. And I'm back here on the sports edge. Gee, how, how cool is it that both the Yankees and Mets are playing so well uh, this late into the season? Just, just terrific stuff. Uh, we're talking right now about the, no, uh, the new no-contact rules in high school football, and particularly in New Jersey, where, which is, I believe, the most restrictive high school rules in place uh, in terms of allowing only 15 minutes of full contact uh, during uh, the season. Uh, they're only allowed six hours of full contact in preseason. Uh, and the question is, is this, is this the right direction? We all understand why this is happening. We know why these rules are being put into place, obviously, to prevent concussions. But, you know, my question is, is, is this all makes sense? I mean, to me... When it comes to teaching and coaching kids, I mean, the key to success is about practice and repeat, practice and repeat, practice and repeat. I'm not sure 15 minutes of live contact gives a a a coaching staff in football enough time to teach kids the proper techniques. Yeah, I know, of course, you can go through, you know, uh, you know. Talk, uh, talk sessions, teach the kids in the classroom, show them techniques with dummies. But there's a big difference between working with a tackling dummy or seeing video or, of the right techniques and actually doing it in a game situation. And that's my concern. We're taking your calls, one 337 6666 Let's go to Bob out in Riverhead. Bob, you're a football coach, is that correct? Yeah, yes, I was um, for a good eight years. I, I, I've coached. Uh, 10-year-olds right up through high school. Okay. And I agree with you. It it isn't enough. It's definitely not enough. But, you know, the curve that you didn't really touch on, which I've experienced, is these kids come in, they're like a sponge. They want to learn. They're willing to learn. They're good. My issue every year, whether it was 10-year-olds or high school kids, was, and I... I'll get to this point in a minute, but it it wasn't as much the kids. The parents' interaction with the kids was, was making my job a lot harder. I would have one, maybe two, maybe three kids 
that would come to practice, parents on the sidelines, yeah. and these kids and the parents would be, you know, deliver the pain. And I actually, after the third year, I would actually have meetings just with the parents just to go about to say, look, let me do it my way, okay? And some adhered to that, some didn't. But it was, you know, the kids, let, let, me, let me show them how to do it. You don't want to come there with the mentality, which, again, kids did. Playing defense, their whole thing was just hurting this other kid or just, you know, delivering the pain, which used to drive me nuts. I'm the coach. Let me train your kid. Please leave it up to me. That was my biggest problem, okay? When I got over that, it, it seemed to work better. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, let me teach them, all right? I mean, the parents want a superstar. Now, I understand that. But still, there's a right way of doing it, and there's a wrong way of doing it. And hurting the opposing player, I used to emphasize, is not the correct way of doing well, it. No, and again, I, I understand. like you said, I don't believe in that 15 minutes. I, I don't believe that's enough because comes game time, is going to be a reflection of how well these kids are trained. How I mean, again, you can't train enough, okay? You're, you're making them ready for the game. If you're limited to 15 minutes, I feel like it, it's, it's, it's a negative. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. Well, I thank you for, for your thoughts this morning. And, and uh, you know, I agree with you that I'm just wondering if that's enough, enough of a, a training schedule. Thanks for the call, Bob. And, and again, my point on all this, and again, we should point out too that there were other, I know there's a lot of studies out there that say that obviously concussions uh, obviously are detrimental. There's no upside to how your kid getting a concussion, and even worse, if your kid gets a second or third concussion, we know that now, but there are, believe it or not, there are studies out there that also suggest that, you know, kids who play high school football, they aren't necessarily going to suffer a lot of long-term uh, concerns. Uh, it just... It just seems to be still a process of developing all the research, but by by limiting, you know, tackling full contact to just 15 minutes in a week, I I just I, that just seems like perhaps that's too much of an overreaction. Let's uh let's go to uh, our friend Jack Smith and over in Fairlawn. Jack, what do you make of all this? Well, Rick, you know, it's something that I've been concerned about for a long time. I coached soccer for almost 35 years. And there's a lot of towns and leagues in, in our country now that are eliminating heading the ball mm-hmm. in soccer because, because of the damage that it does. You know, one of your callers, and you and I believe this, that repetition, repetition. Yes. You know, but for a hitter in baseball to become a good hitter, they need to see live pitching. You know, for a football player to become a good tackler or, or a good blocker, they need to be contacting. But you got to understand, or the people have to understand that, like your last call, or certain people, parents, coaches, have a mentality about what football's all about. Grueling, physical, hurt, you know. you got to get that out of the coaches' minds. And that's tough because I actually call that the football mentality. And, and you know, no disrespect to football coaches, but that physical aggression that all these guys try to implement into the kids you got to figure out the goal. The goal is to cut back on concussions, and concussions are happening all the time. Helmets don't stop concussions. Helmets stop your head from being split open, and, and you know, every time that head moves quickly, whether it is a bang or not, you separate the brain from its protective tissue. That's called concussed. 
So every time that little, what about, and, and the definition, basically, when I, when I kind of researched this a little bit, is what is contact? Bringing a person to the ground. What about all those linemen who hit their heads every single time that ball is snapped? The other one of your other callers talked about injuries to the knees, to the ankles. Yeah. Those don't kill you. Head injuries kill you. So you need to, what I think, Rick, you need to evaluate, really research, where do most concussions happen? You know, maybe the rules have to be changed. You know, most concussions happen on kickoffs, receivers running full speed, punt returns, so maybe you have to cut back on that if that's where most of the concussions happen. But, you know, the funny thing about it is, and this is something that I've felt a long time, these kids at the younger ages, little concussions add up to big concussions. People didn't think that long ago. Oh, it's only a little, little only a head t- tweeter, you know? Go, yeah. go back in there. Go back in there. You that can't. Was- You've got to take it seriously. Well, Jack, I, 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 I think you were correct that obviously it would be really helpful if, if some of the research really began to pinpoint exactly uh, where the most concussions came from. Because exactly. And it, cut it, back on that. Yeah, because, uh, and Jack, thank you as always for your insights. Appreciate it. You're more than welcome. Thanks, Jack. You know, and, and the thing is, I mean, look, I just worry that without repetitions that are under the supervision of coaches, but if you don't have repetition in a lot of them when it comes to blocking and tackling, the kids will actually end up with even more head and neck injuries because they haven't had enough experience uh, in this kind of contact. As Jack mentioned, that you know maybe it's just the, the guys in the line you know, knocking heads against each other or guys uh, running back on kickoffs or whatever it might be. We like to get a little more insight as to what is the exact proportion of when these concussions really take place before we just start saying, okay, we're not going to have – more than 15 minutes of live contact. Let's uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Rob down in Philadelphia. Hey, Rob. Good morning. You're on the fan. I totally agree with you, and I think that these rules will possibly increase the damage done uh, by not having contact. Mm-hmm. Now, I coached little league football for 15 years until they changed. They have just changed it to seven-man flag football because they can't get enough players. Now, I read, when I was preparing to coach, I bought a book by um, uh, the Washington Redskin coach. Oh, boy, I forgot his name. The old guy, uh, the famous guy. Well, it uh, could be anybody from Joe Gibbs to Vince Lombardi to whoever. Uh, oh, God. Oh, okay. so, anyway. Go on. So... His whole uh, his whole theory was um, technique. Yes, and where to put your head, and how to and how and and, and, and techniques and drills that did not include um, contact, but used uh, um, uh, ways to. Uh, uh, increase your your uh, maneuverability. Um, uh, well, but, but so, the point is, Rob, and, and you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we hear you loud and clear. Thank you. One more call. point. Well, I, I got one guy. I got I got a clock here, but thanks, Rob. You know, the fact is that, yeah, Rob mentioned the fact that you know the numbers are down with with Pop Warner because obviously now Pop Warner is looking at lawsuits. You know, from 
from kids who got concussions and their parents are outraged and so on and so forth. There has to be a middle ground here uh, as to what's the right approach. And I don't I don't know if we're if, if there's enough research being done specifically as to what's the right number of minutes or practice hours to get kids to learn how to how to tackle and block uh, the right way. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Jim in South Brunswick, New Jersey. Jim, uh, you're yeah, how you doing? Uh, I played football for 12 years. Okay. And, and, and 15 minutes probably equates to about eight to ten plays a week. Uh, you know, what do you do with the second string or third string player I, who will never ever ever play football because all he's doing is running drills and. You got to let them play. All right, Jim. I I don't know. That's a good point. If you got 15 minutes, how do you get everybody, particularly the guys uh, on the bench? If you got 15 minutes. They can't play. You how, how do play. they? How do they? How do they learn how to tackle the right way? Which is why I suggested They'll maybe never you end up with more injuries if you don't if you don't let the kids. You're going to throw a guy in there who just was you know, did nothing, and all of a sudden he's going to get in a game and not know how to play the game. Yeah, I I it, it's it's a very big. Alarming concern for me. But why would a guy even want to be on the team if he's never going to play the game? Well, remember this too. Football. Uh, we've heard various uh, interpretations. It's it's a game of full contact. It's it's, yeah, it's, it, it's kids, a, according to Vince Lombardi. It's violent. It's a violent game, and that's why kids are attracted to it because and, and they want to go out and hit somebody. You know. You don't want. You want to play. It's a game. You know. You you understand the risks. Well, you know, I, you got hurt. People has always gotten hurt. Nothing has ever changed other than the attitude that people, you know, you worry about it. You know, that everybody gets hurt. Unfortunately, like I said, if you're never going to let the kids play the game, nobody's going to want to play the game. I think that's a real concern. Jim, thank you for the call. In fact, Jim reminds me, uh, remember back in the day, back in the, the turn of the early ni- uh, the 1900s, when Teddy Roosevelt was the president of the United States, and uh, he got into uh, to uh, finding out there was all these alarming deaths taking place in college football, and and the president intervened and said he talked to the top uh, college presidents at the time of the football programs and said, "You got to do something about these guys getting serious concussions and in many cases people dying. Otherwise, I'm just going to ban football." So again, there's a history of football being a violent sport. We know that. Obviously, we've made a lot of progress since the 1900s. But again, is, is, this, is this going in the right direction by restricting all this? And I just don't know. I'm not taking a stance on this one way or the other. I just don't know exactly where this is going. Uh, let's go to Brian over in Jackson. Hey, Brian, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you doing this morning? Good, Brian. Um, the point that I would, would just like to bring, is, and it has a couple of different parts to it, you know, one is um, 15 minutes in a week is, definitely not enough. Uh, there, there's the muscle memory part of this. Obviously, I, I know a lot of people have already kind of commented on this part, yep. but it, what I think is going to happen is it's going to lead to a lot of injuries on the back end. Okay, When they actually have the live games because they're not doing the live tackling, they're going to end up hurting themselves because they're really not going to have done it live. Correct. I spent 26 years in the military, and one of the things is you fight the way you train, you train the way you fight, You have football has to be the same way. It, it, the sport is what it is. You can't take the contact out of it. it it's, it's, in its nature, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, um, we, it's the right techniques. 
Brian, I feel the same way. As I said early on, it's like uh, the, the analogy I use is like, well, you, if you're playing baseball, you can teach a kid how to take batting practice, uh, and, and a kid can look great and BP, but once you get into a real game situation and the pitcher's throwing live and, and not necessarily uh, throwing all fastballs down the middle, but throwing curveballs or sliders or change-ups, it gets a lot tougher. And until you get that experience against live pitching, the batting practice doesn't really mean that much. Same thing in football. You can learn, you can work on a tackling dummy, you can see some video, but until you actually get into a game situation and it's you and, and, a, and a halfback coming through the line and you're the defensive back and you got to lower your, your bridge and, and bring that kid down, unless you know what you're doing and you practice this, you're going to have some troubles because it's just that much different. And, and Brian, th- thank you for the call. I, I think that's Brian's call was right on target. There's a distinct difference between practicing and, and learning the right techniques and then practicing under live situations. And the concern is, is 15 minutes, which is the new law in New Jersey for high school football, 15 minutes a week, is that going to be enough to get all the starters, all the guys on the bench to learn how to handle this kind of, uh, you know, these tackling techniques in a safe uh, and, and productive manner? All right, let me take a pause. When I return, uh, we'll take more of your calls. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget that uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall We'll be talking about the national pastime. He'll be talking baseball. Make sure you stick around and listen to what Ed has to say and his various interviews. Now, I mentioned at the top of the hour, I'm a little cranky this morning. Let me just say this and get, get it off my chest. You know, we're back into Little League Baseball coverage, and, you know, they always like to crow on the air on ESPN that the, uh, the umpires uh, in Williamsport and other, at the regionals, you know, these are all volunteers. You know, I, I want to tell the umpires – there's no reason for you guys to be volunteers because all the guys at, 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 at Williamsport and Little League, they all get paid handsome salaries. They're not doing volunteer work. They're getting paid. If you're an umpire and you're working these games with these little kids, you should get paid too. It's as simple as that. We all know that, that uh, Little League Baseball you know, makes millions for the rights uh, to, to televise their games from ESPN. Pay the umpires, for God's sakes. What's wrong with that? Number two... I'm getting so tired for years and years and years. Obviously, the, the guys do the commentary on Little League Baseball. They talk about kit, the pitchers throwing breaking balls. Come on. We know they're throwing curves and sliders. I don't know why the commentators use the euphemism of breaking ball. I mean, come on. We know the kids are throwing curves. They throw too many of them. I mean, Dr. James Andrews, the renowned orthopedic surgeon, has said for years kids shouldn't throw curves or breaking balls or sliders until they are old enough to shave around 14 why these kids are 11 and 12 throwing, you know, as, as, uh, as I say in the ESPN, breaking balls. Come on, call what it is and tell the kids to throw change-ups. Don't get so involved with throwing curves and sliders. Uh, what else can I tell you? Oh, you know, I, I mentioned that I'm sure by now you've seen this very impressive commercial that's, uh, again, sponsored by ESPN and the Aspen Institute uh, with the little 10-year-old kid holding a press conference to announce his retirement from sports. Well, you know, it's a wonderful, sentimental piece that reminds us not to put too much pressure on our children when they play sports. Of course, it's a nice message, to be sure, but let's be honest. It's certainly not a new message. I mean, we've been talking about excessive parental pressure on kids who play sports ever since the classic movie Bad News Bears, when that first ran in 1976, 43 years ago. If you remember Bad News Bears, is a scene where the dad goes out to the mound during the game, slaps his kid in the face, and then the kid 
fields a comebacker and holds the ball while the hitter rounds the bases for a home run, and then the kid walks off the field and drops the ball at his dad's feet. Again, this has been around for a long time. And then way back in 1957, for your old-timers, the biographical movie about Jimmy Pearsall, Fear Strikes Out, about how Jimmy had a nervous breakdown because of his overbearing sports parent, his dad. Or for you more literary parents, do you remember Pat Conroy's classic book, The Great Santini, and the crazy pressure that that hard-ass dad put on his kids? Look, sports pressure from parents been around for, for years and years and years. We're all aware of it. Not exactly that we know that, that this just came up, and this is why ESPN and Aspen hooked up on this commercial. It's been around for a long time. The reason I got into sports parenting and doing this radio show each week and then doing seminars this is not just to pinpoint the problems. We know what the problems are. That's the easy part. The challenge is trying to come up with real solutions, like this morning talking about what's the right number of hours or minutes of a, of a practice we should devote to, to tackling in high school football. That's what we discuss on this show, and we try to come up with real answers, not just, again, putting out the problems in a very nicely produced, sentimental TV commercial. Okay, we're talking this morning, as I said, about tackling in high school football and this new law in New Jersey that restricts uh, tackling to only, or full contact, only 15 minutes a week once the season begins. Let's continue. Let's go up to Trumbull, Connecticut. Paul's been waiting patiently. Paul, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Coach. How you doing? Good, Paul. Uh, Paul Trumbull, uh, how's it going? Um, you know what I uh, thinking about uh, on hold? Obviously, uh, pretty much the callers before me have touched on most of the topic. But as somebody who's played uh, four years of high school ball and a year in college before my knees gave out, mm-hmm. you know, to limit uh, the you know the kids to six hours a week, if it is, or fifteen minutes a day, the body. Um, by having physical contact, yeah, uh, that, mem- talking to Paul, the not, trainer, not, the not body- fifteen, not fifteen minutes a day, fifteen minutes a week. Okay. Oh, you know, my bad. Then you know what? Yeah. With that said, yeah, the body builds up a tolerance when you have contact. So you know, the first couple of days you're sore, and then after a week, we would all talk with our friends or the linemen or the, you know, you build up a tolerance, and then that that soreness would go away. Yeah. So by limiting it, you know, you're basically. You, uh, you're allowing the body to not prepare to build up that, if you will, you know, it's, it, I don't know if it's the muscles that could, they could come up with some kind of like screening, but you know, we, our body's a dynamic, you know, vessel and it, it comes up with, you know, when we're, when we're having contact, it builds up tolerance. So if we take it away, uh, we're probably going to get hurt more. You're going to, you know, put the kids and, and, you know, your subject into to more injuries. Uh, you know, Paul, that's that's a theme I keep hearing this morning, and, and, and thank you for the call, because I do think that's a real concern that we're sort of telling our kids, well, we're going to try to protect you from having a possible concussion by limiting the number of minutes of full contact during the week. But the the possible downside is the fact we might have these kids so so poorly prepared for physical contact in the games on Saturday or on Friday night that they could have even more injuries, and that's not exactly what we want to have happen here. Uh, let's continue with uh, with Larry in Westchester County. Hey, Larry, you're on the fan. Yeah, hey, Rick, great program. I yeah. have two questions. One of them is a little bit off, but I think it's close, and that is uh, what do you think uh, concussions in ice hockey versus football? And the second is, with all due respect to everyone who's calling, I wonder what the coaches have in terms of experience. My son played, you know, competitive youth sports, hockey especially. Yep. Uh, and all, all of his coaches, not all, but I would say 80% were volunteer dads. Yep. Very rarely did we never pay anybody. 
And I just wonder if that's the case with case with football. Well, when you say, well, let's talk about hockey for a second. Uh, certainly, ice hockey uh, is right up there, uh, you know, like, like uh, soccer and lacrosse when it comes to concussions. So even though football gets all the attention these days, we all know that, that, uh, that there, are, there are certainly other sports where concussions are a real concern. USA Hockey has been at the, uh, taking the forefront in understanding and acknowledging that when kids you know, get hit in the game, fall to the ice, hit the boards, whatever it might be, they understand that concussion protocol is essential. Uh, and I know in hockey at the youth levels, there's no checking allowed until the kids are what, like ten or twelve years old. Again, that's yeah. all done to protect them. So, yep. but again, USA Hockey will tell you, yeah, there's a concern. But they say, okay, no, no checking until the kids are old enough. But there again, if a kid does get hit and gets a concussion, uh, you know, he or she is brought off the ice and, and they go through the concussion protocol. So there's a concern there. But I haven't heard any situation, with the exception of uh, not having any checking until the kids are what, eleven or twelve. Uh, yep. Nobody says we're going to limit full contact, you know, in terms of high school uh, or as they get older through the youth levels. So, okay, yeah, uh, all right. What do you think about the coaching? Well, the co- when you say the coaching, well, I mean, we know at the high school level. I'll go back to football for a second, or even high, uh, high school hockey. All those coaches have to go through certification and training and CPR and background checks. So. You know, yeah, I mean, and of course, any athletic director these days is well aware of the concerns with their with their coaches and making sure that the coaches are well well equipped and ready to teach kids how to block and tackle the right way because nobody wants to get involved with a with a nasty lawsuit about concussions. So, okay. all right, all right. thanks, Larry. Appreciate Thank the call. Let's uh, let's move quickly to Mark over in Queens. Mark, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Uh, so here's how I, why I think 15 minutes is just enough. Uh, an actual football play. You say it is enough. Yes. Okay. An actual football play yep. in a game is about six seconds. Okay. Uh, an actual time of possession for the whole game is about 12 minutes. And you have to understand a lot of players, offensive defense, spend most of the time on the sideline um, throughout the you know throughout the course of the game, obviously change of possession. But in 15 minutes, you could have multiple drills. Well, sorry, 15 minutes with your with your team, with your practice, make it very efficient, make it very, very productive. Whether it's you know hitting or tackling drills, in the matter of 15 minutes. Yep. And then you could then you could do, you know then you could you know add other you know times to other functional you know foundational uh, practices. But the actual play for a football game is six seconds. Um, so if you, if you think about it, you can manage it very, very efficiently with a proper timing pattern with teams and lines. Well, stuff Mark, like I, that. you make an interesting observation, and uh, it, it and to your point, uh, and thank you for the, the call. You know, to your point, high school coaches uh, all over the country, but particularly in New Jersey right now, they really got to figure out. Okay, I got I'm allocated 15 minutes a week. So I'm having practice uh, five days a week during the course of the season coming up. How am I going to do this? And it's Mark's point that, well, a typical play runs six, seven seconds in football. Well, that's going to put an unbelievable uh, time restriction on coaches to try to figure out, okay, we're going to run some live contact here and try to chop it up so that everybody on the team uh, you know, gets a chance to, to go in there 
face some live contact, get a sense of how they're doing it. If there's a mistake made or, or improper technique that's being employed, they're going to have to stop, I guess, to practice, uh, you know, talk about it and retrain or re- re- recalibrate these kids. Uh, is that part of the 15 minutes? I-, I just don't know how this works. I mentioned early on in the hour that, you know, who who's going to monitor all this stuff? Who goes around to the various practices and, and looks at to make sure that these, these teams are only working for – for 15 minutes during the week. Who does that? Is that the athletic director or is it somebody from the uh, State Athletic Association? I just don't know. I don't know how coaches are going to implement this. Uh, it puts them under a tremendous strain because, quite frankly, if you have, what, 30, 40, 50 kids on your on your high school football team, it's going to be tough to get everybody some live action in just 15 minutes, even though, as Mark says, typical play only lasts six or seven seconds. I think that's going to be quite a challenge uh, and again, it's not that we're, we're – I just want to make this very clear. I'm not discounting the concerns uh, about about the concussions. That's a real medical concern more than ever. But I just wonder if we're going too far in the other direction and trying to have a situation here where we're protecting our kids from pot- potential uh, health issues with concussions by limiting the contact to so few minutes during the course of the week. So again, I said I, I just don't know if that's the right – process, I sure wish there were more research out there that could better pinpoint exactly how we allocate the time we do when we coach with our kids so that everybody goes home learning how to tackle the right way in a safe way and minimize the, the level of concussions. Concussions are still always going to be there. We know that. But we got to do something to figure out how to, make them, how to make the sport a lot safer. All right, let me take a time out. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Big Wolf. Sports Radio 66 and 101.9 FM, the fan, WFAN. Hey, just some, uh, some final thoughts about this new rule in New Jersey that uh, high school football teams are only allowed 15 minutes of full contact once the season begins. 15 minutes in a week is like, like a drop in the bucket. I understand entirely why this law is being put into, into place. I get all that. Obviously, we're trying to, to uh, make sure kids... Uh, do not risk uh, more concussions. But again, if you're going to play football, you've got to be taught and learn at some some way through live practice uh, how to tackle kids uh, because it's not the same in, in, a, in, a, in a controlled situation, just working with tackling dummies or working reading off of films or just walking through it in slow motion. And unfortunately, it has to be, that's the nature of football. It's a full contact sport. I just don't know what's going to happen. We'll see how this works out this year. We'll see if high school coaches in New Jersey are okay with this, if the parents are okay with this, if the players are okay with this. And by the way, I'm curious, what's the punishment if if some team goes more than 15 minutes in the course of the week? Is there some sort of punishment that the team has to go through for violating that law? I just don't know. Okay, uh, my thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Wow. 
why. Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.